It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What's up, football fans? Welcome back to another Fans First Football Show. I am Jeff Hartman, joined by Rob Statsquera. And this is rare anymore that, hey, both of us have a victory Monday. This is exciting, Rob. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, look, I'm rooting for the Steelers, sort of, because every Steelers win makes the Niners win over them in week one look better and better. So that win's aging <laughs> like wine. <laughs> it's also good for the company. But anyways, uh, you know, when you... <laughs> Uh, still, hey, uh, before we even get started with the action, would you have, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I know th- the, the nightcap was good for you beating the Seahawks, but did you have a good holiday? I did. Thank you. Yes, it was a nice time and it was beautiful to have your team playing at night. So I got to do the full Thanksgiving activities and then watch my team win at night. So that was a good combination. I, if, if you could stay awake, the Steelers have had that game before. And sometimes I'm like, oh, gosh, the trip to fans just, <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to stay awake. <laughs> but let's get started. There was there were not as many games on Sunday based on the fact that there were a lot of games with three on Thanksgiving, one on Black Friday. So we're not going to have as many games to talk about. So we decided before we went on the air today, let's just get right into it. Let's talk about the game that everyone is talking about today, Monday, and that is Bills Eagles. What a game in Philadelphia. The Kelly Greens were out 425 Nationals audience. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, they lived up to the hype. Rob, you said you have a lot of thoughts on this one. Let's let's get started right off the bat. I mean, the Eagles never lose. This team <laughs> is unbreakable. Okay. They had Jalen Hurts had 33 
passing yards in the first half. As a team, the Eagles had 99 yards in the first half. The Eagles trailed by 10 at halftime. They trailed by 10 in the third quarter. They trailed by three with less than two minutes to go in regulation. And they trailed by three in overtime. And none of it mattered because the Eagles do not flinch. They are very good at playing and being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. They showed it yesterday, and the Bills did not. I've watched a lot of Eagles football this year, and it just seems like the the way that they're winning is odd to me. It's really strange. Like you just mentioned, some of those stats, there's no way they win this game, yet they find a way to win. And it kind of feels like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for it to catch up with them. And it did against the Jets. I still can't believe that the Jets beat the Eagles at any point, but still they did. And the the Eagles, like you said, they continue to find ways to win. Do you eventually think that this style of play is not sustainable, that they can't ride this type of momentum all the way through the playoffs? Or is this mean that they are battle tested? I think that over the long haul, you're not going to just come out on top on this many one score games. But we have seen sometimes there are years, there are magical years where for whatever reason, it just comes together for that year. Look at the Vikings last year. How many games, close one-score games, did the Vikings win? Now, I know, obviously, they lost in the playoffs, but that wasn't a one-score game. They got their doors blown in by the Giants. Um, But I think what you're starting to see now is now other teams are starting to believe that the Eagles are going to come back and win. And I think that's what happened to the Bills yesterday. I think the Eagles took the Bills' heart on a couple of plays. The first one in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen throws the interception, and it's third and 15 at the Bills' 29-yard line. That is a a down and distance where if you're the Bills, you have to get off the field there. You have to. It's third and 15. You're nursing this lead. You need to get off the field. And not only does Buffalo not get off the field, they give up a touchdown on the play. I think that was just a dagger to them. And then, obviously, the ridiculous just fantastic 59-yard field goal in the rain, down by three. The field is a soggy mess. And Jake Elliott says, I'm an eagle, so none of that matters. I'm just going to rip this through the uprights. (laughs) It was an entertaining game, but of course there's controversy, and there's a lot of people that are complaining. Buffalo fans have every right to suggest that, hey, that was a horse collar tackle on Josh Allen that wasn't called. If those are listening to audio, Rob's rolling his eyes, but you know what the Bills faithful are saying. They're saying they got jobbed, but here's my thought. My thought is that, hey, this is a game where you had it. You got to overtime. Josh Allen, I believe, is 0-6 in overtime games, including the playoffs now. They changed the freaking rules for him, <laughs> and they still can't win. They still can't win. I don't know what to say to Buffalo fans other than your team is 6-6 six and six now, and it's looking like a it's looking very realistic they don't make the postseason. I completely agree with you. And Bills fans should stop complaining about the officials and start complaining about your head coach because he butchered the clock management at the end of the game. How many times do we come on this show on Mondays and talk about this, Jeff? You're the Bills, right? Can we just blast the icing the kicker timeout into the sun, please? First of all, you don't ice a kicker with a 59-yard kick in the rain on a soggy field, especially knowing that there's going to be time left after the kick, right? You you ice the kicker on a kick that they normally would make, an easy kick 
so they have more time to think about it, and that's why you ice the kicker. On a super difficult kick, you don't do that. And had Sean McDermott not wasted a timeout before that kick, he would have had 20 seconds left and two timeouts in regulation to go win the game. Instead, he only had one timeout, and he decided to wimp out and kneel on the ball. Another sign, by the way, that the Eagles had taken the Bills' heart out of them. You've got the best quarterback in the world, or what you're going to argue is the best quarterback in the world, who's been on a heater, by the way. You've been playing great at the end of that game, and you're not going to even give him a chance. You're not going to even run one play to see if you get a big completion or a pass interference penalty or something. You're just going to give up and hope you can beat him in overtime. Sean McDermott butchered the end of that game. I I would say that I would even go into questioning what happened in overtime. So Sean McDermott, they go down, the Bills kick a field goal. Miscommunication with big play Gabe Davis, which... (sighs) Could have iced away the game, but still, you you had he did. He they they brought the pressure, they had the beater set up, and that they just couldn't execute. So they they kicked the field goal. I understand it. So then it's just like Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, it's like they're going up against a prevent defense. It's like, what are we doing? Are you playing for a tie? Like, you can't you can't just sit back and hope that hope for the best. My gosh, I'm watching the the final play of the of the game. The 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 draw. I called that my daughter's watching the game with me. I said. Here comes a quarterback draw. She says, what? I said, they're going to run a quarterback draw. I could have bet my house that they would have ran the quarterback draw. And the Bills look completely shocked as Jalen Hurts rumbles into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. But what's really interesting here, Rob, is that let's take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. So they're 10-1. and They're the top team in the NFC. But what a slate coming up for them. Your 49ers, Sunday at 425 in Philly is going to be a great game. Then they have the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Giants, who now are playing a little bit better. Cardinals and finish up with the Giants. These next three games for Philly are going to be absolutely vital. Starting off with your 49ers. What are your thoughts on that one? We'll just get that real quick. Well, I think for from the 49ers perspective, this game is not nearly as important as it would have been if the Bills had won, right? Yeah. Because if the right. Eagles had lost, the Niners could be the number one seed if they beat Philly this week, but that didn't happen. So the number one seed is likely out of reach for the 49ers. It's going to be big for them because they spent the entire offseason telling everybody they would have won if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt. So it's going to have a lot of personal significance to the players and coaches and everything. But in terms of the overall general NFC picture, it's not nearly as important as it would have been. For the Niners now, for me, the job is beat the Lions. Get ahead of the Lions. Make sure you're the two seed in the NFC. And if you are, then you're in a situation where potentially you're only going to have to play one of either the Cowboys and the Eagles in the NFC playoffs. And that ain't a bad place to be. And don't underscore... The, the 49ers saying, like, we're going to go into Philly, and if this is where we're going to have to go in the playoffs, let's go in there and prove that we can do it. And so that sure. way, like, we, we've we've already slayed that dragon, so to speak. It's going to be a great game. I'm excited for that one. But I already mentioned that the Bills, you know, it's a realistic – it's very realistic that they do not make the postseason. They're 6-6. Six and six. The games they have coming up – now, they have a bye this week. But on the 10th of December, they play the Chiefs then the Cowboys, then the Chargers, then the Patriots, and finish with the Dolphins. That's a really tough slate of games. Rob, if you were to look into your magic ball right now, do they make the playoffs, in your opinion? No, I don't think they do. That's incredible. It's amazing to me, but this has happened too many times for Buffalo to just assume like, oh, they're going to get it together now. Like, no, this is who they are. Maybe they peaked 
against the Chiefs in the playoffs, right? Maybe that was the peak. We all assume like, oh, they're going to be right back. Maybe that was it. Sometimes that happens. And oh, by the way, I think it is hilarious because when the Chiefs beat the Bills in the playoffs, what do we always talk about? Oh, there was 13 seconds left, right? Well, guess what? There was 13 seconds left. The Chiefs had two timeouts. They went down the field. They got the field goal to put push the game into overtime, right? Guess yeah. what the Chiefs would have had if Sean McDermott didn't waste the timeout icing the kicker. They would have had 20 seconds and two timeouts, and they could have gone down the field and got a field goal. <laughs> the team yeah. that lost that way didn't recognize it and didn't take step and didn't even try to do the same thing. That blows my mind. If you lose, you lose. But to not try at the end of regulation, to me, it just showed the Eagles took their heart. Yeah. And never, never in my wildest dreams would I have said that Sean McDermott's job looks like it's on the line, but I absolutely think if they miss the playoffs, he could be out and they could be looking for a new head coach. It'll be interesting. We wanted to get, that was the, it was the marquee game. And I think it lived up to the billing. Let's go to another game, which I thought was sneaky, exciting and fun to watch. I got to see the very end of this game after the Steelers game wrapped up. And that was AFC South Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans. The Jaguars win 24 to 21, but it was not without a little bit of drama a big time. I think it was a 50 plus yarder. I don't know that number, Rob. I'm sure you have it in front of you. The Texans have a chance to tie it up game, game tying field goal. Stoink off the crossbar. No good. Jaguars win in a very, very big divisional game. 58 yarder by Matt Amendola that he attempted. No good crossbar. I'm just so happy because, yes, please give me Trevor Lawrence against CJ Stroud in the AFC South for the next. 10, 15 years. Like, yes. How many (laughs) crap Texans Jags games did we have to watch on Thursday night football? (laughs) Like, oh my God, they were wearing the mustard uniforms and it was just brutal, right? Those days are over. Those days are over. CJ Stroud is so much fun to watch. And this is, this is, they're so ahead of schedule for the Texans. Nobody thought they were going to be this much fun this year. When they actually start to add more players now around him and Stroud develops a little bit, they are going to be a powerhouse in the AFC South. Did you see the the kick? Did you see the video of that by chance? Yes. The, I, I I don't know if you're a golfer, Rob. I'm a golfer. Uh, every now and then, if you're a golfer, you you get under a shot just a little bit, and it it goes higher than you're expecting, and you and you know it's not going to get there. So you're like, up. Oh, that's got to carry. That's got to carry. I'm watching this kick, and I see this ball going straight up. And I said, he got under it. There, there's it's short. It's short. It's not going to make it. And then right off the crossbar boy is that a gut punch for the texans at home if they found a way to win they would have been seven and four they would have head-to-head tiebreakers over teams like the steelers they would they they would be in prime position the jaguars would be that they would be in first place in the south now i look at it because they've been seven and four and they would have beaten them twice what a way to lose this is a huge loss I, i i agree with you no one thought the jacksonville texans would be any fun but this was a good game And you're right about the kick, too, because that was the first thing I thought when I saw it come out. I was like, man, that's really high. Because what do they always say? The further back you are, the higher the chance the kick is going to be blocked because you can't put the height on it. you got to get the distance. And it came out super high. And it was just, I mean, how many times we've seen, by the way, too, the ball hit the crossbar and bounced through the uprights. This hit the crossbar and just was just short. But an absolutely fantastic game, and sign me up for more of those, please. 
And the Jaguars, there's no, like, they might be in first place and they might be eight and three and everyone thinks that it's, it's their golden, but I'm telling you that they have a tough road ahead. They've got the Bengals next week, then the Browns, Ravens, Buccaneers, Panthers, and Titans. Some of those games seem like gimmies, especially with Joe Burrow out of the lineup now, but nonetheless, we'll see how things go for the Texans trying to make the AFC playoffs. They have the Broncos next week, which all of a sudden we'll talk about them. What the hell Mm -hmm. happened to the Broncos? They've completely done a 180. They have the Jets, then they have the Titans, the Browns, Titans, and Colts. This is going to be fun. This division is not over. There's still a lot of football left to be played. Let's talk about the other another team in the AFC South that played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Indianapolis Colts, 27-20. to 20. I don't know. This game was kind of like a nothing burger for me. I, I, it was at the 1 o'clock hour, and so I wasn't really watching too much. But you know, Jonathan Taylor scores twice. What were your thoughts on this game, Rob? All I kept thinking of is, man, how much more fun would the Colts be if Anthony Richardson was not out for the year, right? Because they've got some pieces there that you like in Indy. Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Zach Moss, obviously, is good. Michael Pittman seems to be coming on. Josh Downs is good. Like, they have a lot of pieces that could make them fun and interesting. It's just they're missing the the guy that they think is going to be the future of their franchise. And Gardner Minshew's okay. You know, he's not terrible. You can win some games with him, obviously, as we saw on Sunday. But, man, if they had Anthony Richardson, they would be kind of another fun team, sort of like the Texans. Yeah. No, you're right. And, you know, they're finding ways to win. They're 6-5. and They're still in the mix. They're playing competitive football. You look at the other side of the field, Tampa Bay, Mike Evans, I feel bad for that guy. I feel like the prime of his career is being wasted with this Baker Mayfield slash whatever's going to happen next. I think he's a free agent after this year. He's got to be wanting the hell out of Tampa Bay, though. I mean, Mike Evans is just... I think he had two touchdowns in this game, didn't he? Yeah, 70 yards and two touchdowns. One of which, by the way, I don't know what happened. He was so wide open. He was the only player on the entire left side of the end zone. I have no idea how that happens. But, I mean, Baker hasn't been terrible for the Bucs this year. But he's not there. I don't think he's their future. Um, and who knows, like you said, if he even wants to stay there. But, yeah, the Bucs are just kind of, look, they got their ring. And they've been paying for it since then. Uh, it's Quarterback succession plans are hard. I still yeah. think if they knew then what they know now, they'd still take the Super Bowl. But, you know, they got some rebuilding to do. Absolutely. Let's go to the other NFC South game. I did find it funny. The Atlanta Falcons put out a tweet and it showed like two players kind of like hitting each other, the Saints. And they said the best rivalry in football. I was like, no yeah. one's ever said that the Saints no. and Falcons is the best rivalry in football. I could think of a million. Teams with no histories whatsoever. (laughs) Like, who's no one thinks that? No, I saw that tweet. You're right. Yeah, that's an F minus tweet from the social media crew from the Atlanta Falcons. But still, the Falcons beat the Saints 24 to 15. Weird game. Uh, The Saints and Falcons are now both five and six. Five and six. I'm just looking at the NFC South standings right now. And so when you look at the NFC South, Again, we've said this before. I don't think anyone wants to win this division. Five and six is leading the division. And Tampa Bay's four and seven with Carolina one and ten. Rob, what the hell's going on in the NFC South? This is such a joke. The Saints are the only team in the division that haven't been outscored, and they've only outscored opponents by seven points this season. It's just like, great, sign up for who wants to lose on wildcard weekend of the playoffs. Like, that's all it is. That is all it is. They're going to get a home playoff game. It's just, it's just hideously bad. Like I, I, we got to stop this. We have to stop with this rule that just because you win your division, one, you get into the playoffs and two, you get a home playoff game. That's stupid. 
It's stupid. These teams are garbage teams. Garbage teams. And we're going to have to watch one of them in the playoffs. Meanwhile, you know, we're going to have a team, whether it's, you know, who knows, Minnesota or Seattle or even the Rams, maybe they could sneak back into it. They're not going to be able to make the playoffs because the stupid NFC South has to have a participation trophy. (laughs) I don't mind that the division winner gets a playoff spot. I mind that they host a playoff game. That's what bothers me is you're going to make a team with a better record. Who's done better all season. Go, uh, all the way depends on where they're from. So let's say it's Seattle gets in and they have a better record. And they have to go all the way down to New Orleans and, and play the, a Saints team or Atlanta in a, in a dome. I don't know. Not a fan, but I get what you're saying. All right, let's, let's talk about some prolific offense here. And, and when I say prolific offense, I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers finally getting <laughs> over 400 yards of offense. I think for the first time in like 10 years, the Steelers had over 400 yards total offense, but don't worry folks. It only equated in 16 total points as they beat the Bengals 16 to 10 at Paycor Stadium. This game was at least a little bit entertaining for me as a Steeler fan. It was also a dumpster fire in a lot of ways. At one point, the Bengals, the the whole system of keeping the clock in the stadium was broken, and they had to have the officials keeping the time at the end of the first half on the field. So you have all of us, all the fan base watching. You've got people in attendance watching with no idea how much time's left. I'm like, what is this soccer? This is horrible. Paycor stadium should be imploded. I hate that place, but still Steelers find a way to win. They are seven and four right in the thick of things. And for once after Matt Canada got canned, the offense shows some signs of life. I saw somebody had a tweet. I can't remember who it was. But it was a tweet of Kenny Pickett's passing chart with the last game that Matt Canada had and then this game. And it's just, I mean, it was comical. Matt Canada just basically had him throwing at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage like every freaking play. And it turns out like, oh, we can use the whole field. You're allowed to throw past the line of scrimmage. Imagine that. And do I think the Steelers would have won this game if Joe Burrow played? Absolutely not. Is that their fault? Absolutely not. You don't have to apologize for victories. Good for Pittsburgh. They handled their business. They got the win. They're seven and four. They're headed towards a playoff berth in the AFC. The only thing I didn't like for Pittsburgh in this game, and maybe you could speak to this, Jeff, what the hell is Deontay Johnson doing? Oh, gosh. Jalen gets it and fumbles the ball, and you can find the clip on Twitter. The ball is just floating out there. It is rolling along on the ground, and Deontay Johnson looks like he sees it almost rolls his eyes that Jalen Warren fumbled and doesn't even make a flinch, not a move, nothing to recover the football. I think it's a, it was a culmination. So the, the play prior, Kenny Pickett throws a great pass. Deontay Johnson hits him right between the numbers, catches it. He's going to the ground and loses the football, loses possession. And so everyone said he got three feet in, He's they should have challenged it. Tomlin said after the game, he didn't have a good review of it. And so they just let it go. They just let it go. And then on the next play from scrimmage, Jalen Warren fumbles. I guarantee you Deontay Johnson, who's been overly emotional this season as it pertains to the offensive play calling and the coordinator stuff. He is still distraught. You can tell. And so he's probably, I don't know what he's doing, but there's no way in, in my mind, can I imagine a situation where you don't see that ball right in front of you? <laughs> you may think that he's down, but you don't assume that he's down. You jump on the freaking football. So it, 
I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guarantee you that this is going to be played on loop this week, and Deontay Johnson is going to have to answer a lot of questions about it. It was really disturbing, though, when I watched the replay. I'm like, what is he doing? There's guys on the other side of the field coming all the way across to make the tackle after it was recovered by Cincinnati, and Deontay Johnson's there just, I don't know, playing patty cake with the defender in front of him. It doesn't make any sense to me. It was just such a bad look. And like everyone loves Mike Tomlin and all that stuff. It's like, well, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And you, there has to be some sort of punishment for that. It's the ball. It is the most valuable thing on the field. Everybody remembers Cam Newton in the Super Bowl. At least Cam Newton flinched towards the football before he decided not to jump on it. Deontay Johnson doesn't even move. He doesn't move. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't anything. It was just such a bad look. It was a bad look. And on a day where a lot went right for the Steelers in terms of offensive production, it's almost like you said, the the, the passing chart of Kenny Pickett, which looked like a U. Everything was on the outside (laughs) and right around the line of scrimmage. And now you look at the passing chart that he had after week 12, and it was all over the field. And it's like, oh, my gosh. We also have this really young tight end who's very athletic. Some Mm -hmm. would say is like a Travis Kelsey. His name's Pat Fryermuth. He's from Penn State. It's his third year in the league. Oh, we can throw it to him now. He has nine catches for 120 yards and all of this damage done on third down up the seam. It's stuff that Steeler fans have been screaming about for literally two and a half years. And so finally, when they can, Matt Canada starts to come together. I'm not saying that this team is going to win a Super Bowl or even a playoff game, but at least it's a sign that they're going in the right direction and maybe a little glimmer of hope for a franchise that was pretty down. Go ahead, Rob. We got a little bit of breaking news. Oh, what's that? The Carolina Panthers have canned Frank Reich. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? He doesn't even get one year? They tweeted out this morning a statement from owner David Tepper. Quote, I met with Coach Reich this morning and informed him that we will not continue as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I want to thank Frank for his dedication and service. We wish him well. Special teams coordinator Chris Tabor will serve as our interim head coach. Senior assistant Jim Caldwell will be a special advisor to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, who will take over play calling duties. There you go. Good luck developing Bryce young. Good luck. Remember all the, like the great quarterback crews that were supposed to be around him and I was going to be so great. Yep. It didn't even last the full season. This is why crappy franchises remain crappy franchises. So you had this guy in charge of your team. Now the Panthers will just go right into that game. They lose to the Titans 17 to 10. And so you have this guy in place. And you trade up to get the number one overall pick and you take Bryce Young. And I'm sure there's a lot of buyer's remorse. We've talked about that on this show before with CJ Stroud lighting it up with Houston. And so now the guy that made the pick and was a big prominent part of making that selection, you don't even give him a year. You give him a year. I don't. Oh, my gosh. Who would want that job? That's my thing. Well, the only thing is the low expectations, right? The division is a tire fire. There's no threat to you in the division, really. Potentially, you think you have a quarterback that you can build around. Maybe, although maybe you don't. I don't know. But, you know, I'm not willing to say that that Bryce Young is terrible, that he's a bust, that he's irredeemable. I'm not going that far. Not before he even plays a full season. So, you know, you if you win five, six, seven games there next year, you're a hero. Hell, you may win the division. Um, But, yeah, I mean, David Tepper is. He's proving to be a very meddling type of owner, and it's just it's just bad right now in Carolina. 
David Tepper was a former minority owner of the Steelers before purchasing the Panthers. And he's, this is not the Steelers methodology in terms of no, coaching. And, and, and you look at the teams around the league that are consistently, you know, competitive, and this is just not the way they do business. Ah, man, breaking news here on the fans first football show. And I, I got to say, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that they didn't even at least give him a year. You have to wonder if he might've said, Hey, after this year, you're done. And Frank Reich's like, just fire me now then. I don't know. Well, you know what? The bloom is off the Frank Reich rose. I never saw a guy that wasn't a head coach get so much credit for a Super Bowl victory like Frank Reich did with the Eagles, right? And all of a sudden, guess what? We saw him in Indianapolis. We see him in Carolina. Maybe he's just not a head coach. Maybe he's just better suited to do other stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I don't know what's really going on there, but since we're talking about the game, the Tennessee Titans do win. 17 to 10. Derrick Henry does Derrick Henry thing, scores two touchdowns. I don't know what else to say about this game. The Panthers are terrible. The Titans are just bad. And so Tennessee wins 17 to 10. Like that's basically it, you know, and, and good for Tennessee. Like whatever. Again, I always say this with the quarterbacks, right? This is all about Will Levis. Get him experience, figure out if he can play. And then you move on from there. And you know what? If you can get some wins in the meantime, good on you for it. And we saw it in Houston and now we're seeing it in Tennessee that they, they get the win and I, you know, they can be happy about that. I suppose <laughs> this to be, when I look at the overall slate of games on Sunday, there were some marquee matchups and then a bunch of crap. Like, they really were not a lot of like, let's go to the next game. Let's talk giants and Patriots. Shall we like crap? <laughs> <laughs> the Patriots are basically running a high school system where they're motioning quarterbacks on and off the field. They just, between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, the New York Giants and Tommy DeVito find a way to score 10 points and win. The Patriots are two and nine. The Giants are four and eight. Uh, man, I, yeah, the, the, the Patriots missed a game tying kick out of the end of regulation. What are your thoughts on this one, Rob? How the hell did the Patriots ever make the playoffs with Mac Jones? Like, that's a thing that happened. He is so bad. He threw an interception in this game that was so terrible blitz is coming he throws late the defender is right there just waiting for him to release the ball before he steps in front of the slant and intercepts it he's it's just bad and i know that you know they missed a field goal that would have tied it or whatever but come on it's just it stinks in new england they have a bad quarterback they have a bad roster it's just bad they threw the ball 35 times this is the new england patriots matt jones had 21 attempts Bailey's happy 14. Like Bill Belichick, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, pick I, one. Just pick one and ride with him. You're two and nine. What is the worst that happens? You lose games. You're already losing games. Pick I, Mac Jones as a first round pick. Pick Bailey's happy. Who the hell cares? What are we doing? Like, I, if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm like, this is so far from the excellence we saw for 10 plus years. It's got to be disheartening. Speaking of excellence, by the way, the Tommy DeVito touchdown celebration, 10 out of 10, the little Italian like handshake. I love as an Italian American, I love it. Keep it up, Tommy. If for no other reason, I want to see him be the Giants quarterback going forward, just so I get more of that. And you know, the Giants are probably already talking about Daniel Jones needs to be traded or something like that. Let's go with Tommy DeVito. From North North Jersey, Tommy DeVito. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's go with the Rams and Cardinals. Here we go. NFC West, right up your alley, Rob. The Rams, they, they blew the doors off the Cardinals. The 37-14 final score might not be indicative of, of this game. And I checked 
Uh, at one point on my Sunday ticket, I had the four screen going, the four boxes on my screen. One of them was this game. And I think the Cardinals only had eight points through the majority of the first half. Rob, the, the Rams look like they could be, could they make some noise? I guess is a question for you as an NFC West guy. I keep telling people, Sean McVay is not a bad coach. And Matthew Stafford is still a really good quarterback. If he is remotely close to healthy, the Rams are not going to be a team that you can just walk into the stadium and beat. They're not. They have too many talented players. And we saw it. I mean, Matthew Stafford doing what Matthew Stafford does. The Rams had almost 500 total yards of offense in the game. They dog walked the Cardinals in the Cardinals stadium, 37-14. And the rest of the way, it's going to be tough because the Rams still have the Browns, which that defense is still really good. The Ravens in Baltimore. They still have the Niners in the last game of the year, by the way, which they never beat the 49ers. Even when they're really, really good, they don't beat the 49ers. So it's going to be a tough road if you're the Rams, but I'm definitely giving them a puncher's chance to sneak into the playoffs in the NFC. It, it, yeah, the NFC is, you got that top tier. We've talked about that before. And then after that is like a bunch of, it's a mixed bag of goods and the Rams are in there. So they, they did the job. They got the job done. They, like you said, tough road ahead. And one of those games is against the Browns, who with DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who found a way to beat the Steelers. Steelers are happy because that equated in Matt Canada being fired. <laughs> and then the Browns go to Denver in this Denver Broncos team. What's going on with the Denver Broncos? We were making fun of them for giving up 70 points and over, I don't know how many yards and they were awful. And, you know, the game is passed. Some of these guys buy like a Sean Payton and yet they have won. I think five in a row, maybe even six in a row, and they're six and five. And now all of a sudden they're being discussed as a potential AFC playoff team. The Browns, tough loss. They go to seven and four. Now they're behind teams like Pittsburgh where they had the advantage the week prior. This is a tough one for them to lose. Cleveland, like you mentioned, they have the Rams, Jaguars. They have the Texans still, the Bengals again. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but the, the Broncos... I, I've got to look at what they have coming up because this was a good win for them. They had the Texans, Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers, and Raiders. So maybe not the best slate, but still, what do you think about the Broncos here, Rob? Well, first of all, I'm just glad the Broncos are interesting again, right? Because yeah. they were just so just pathetically bad for a long time. Now it looks like Russ is getting back to the Russ, to me, that was with the Seahawks early. He doesn't scramble as much as he used to, but he has that quality of we'll, we'll stay in the game, we'll keep it close, and in the fourth quarter, I will be able to make one or two plays, whether it's extending the play with my legs or making a really freaking good throw along the sidelines. Like He still has that in him, and he's not self-destructing. He's not turning the ball over as much as he had been, and that defense in Denver is still really, really good, and so they're going to be in games. Yeah, and Dorian Thompson Robinson is say what say whatever you want. I mean, he's the guy probably moving forward. I, I do think he's in the concussion protocol, so it might oh, be PJ Walker next week. Rushed, and yes. it was a legal hit that they threw a flag on because they always do anytime a quarterback gets hurt. He got absolutely smashed in this game. Yeah, and he's just not that type of guy. And so everyone's talked about the Browns defense and are they going to be able to carry this team? Even if you do get to the playoffs, you have to have some type of competent quarterback play you cannot have this handcuffed offense where you're hoping and 
fingers crossed that the guy can make a few plays. It's just not sustainable in the postseason. The Browns, this was a really, really bad loss for them. I cannot stress that enough because when you look at the overall standings in the AFC, yeah, they're right in the thick of things, but this was a game when you look at the Broncos as not being a world beater. You just can't lose this one, but it was on the road. So Cleveland, they dropped this game 29-12. to 12. The Broncos' hopes are sky high. I'm sure they're excited. What's up, Rob? One other thing for the Browns, Miles Garrett could not lift one of his arms over his head after the game. His arm was in a sling. He claimed to have heard a pop in his shoulder. That is obviously not good. But if he is not playing at an MVP-type level, that obviously changes their defense significantly. And that is the thing that is keeping them in any of these games. So that's something to watch going forward. And I saw Zadarius Smith left the game at some point. I'm not sure if he was able to return or not. But, yeah, that, that defense, we talk about that being the backbone of that team. Right. A little banged up. A little banged up. Let's go to a game which was actually shocking in terms of the first half, and that's Chiefs-Raiders, AFC West matchup. Uh, the Raiders came out and were beating the doors off the Chiefs. And you're like, what is going on here? Aiden O'Connell? Really? Well, then the Chiefs wake up in the second half and end up winning the game 31-17, to doing what they always do. The Chiefs are eight and three. The Raiders are five and seven. What were your thoughts after this game? Yeah, it turns out if the receivers actually catch the ball, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty good quarterback, right? Like <laughs> it was absurd how terrible the Chiefs receivers were a week ago. And now as long as they're just being professionals and producing on the field, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is going to be good enough to win you these games. That's just, that is the standard. When you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, like they're going to be good every single week. Just help them out a little bit and you'll be fine. And the, the Raiders, look, the Raiders are, they got an interim head coach. They're, they're just playing out the string. Let's be honest. We know what they are. The Chiefs have something to play for. They need to get it together. And they did in this one. This is one of those divisional games that in the early portion of the game, I'm sure the Raiders fans are like, oh my gosh, we could do this. The Chiefs fans are saying, what the hell's going on? And then the cream slowly rises to the top and the better team finds a way to win. But let's talk about the Chiefs here for a second, based on the fact that, you know, they are eight and three. And you look at the AFC, there's not that 10 and one Eagles team in that conference. You have the Ravens at eight and three. You have the, the Chiefs, obviously. Ravens are nine and three. Nine and three. Try to forget that from Sunday night. We'll talk about that in a second. But still, Chiefs have the Packers next week, then the Bills, then the Patriots, the Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers to finish out the season. They're going to be right in the mix for the number one seed in the AFC again, again, because when you look at that slate, you got the Raiders, no. Patriots, no. Cheater Bengals without Joe Burrow, no. It's going to come down to the Bills and the Chargers and if any other team's going to slip up. I, I think this team's going to be right there where we all thought they were the whole season, and that's home field advantage, first round bye. Do you agree, Rob? Death, taxes, and the Kansas City Chiefs with the number one seed. Patrick Holmes has never played a road playoff game. You're not going to count the, the Super Bowls, obviously, because that's a neutral field. He's never played a, a road playoff game because every time they're the damn number one seed and he's got the game at Arrowhead, it's just death taxes and the Chiefs. That's that's where we are right now. It's when you have a really good coach and a really good quarterback, that's what tends to happen. Oh, my gosh. Like you saying that, that they, I, just, I just heard that for the first time. And I, that, that blows my mind. The dude's not never a, played on the road in the playoffs. Nope. Because they always have home field advantage. It's it's maddeningly consistent. It's crazy to me. And look, I'm not I'm not saying that if he played on the road, he'd be terrible. But like we literally haven't seen it. 
we haven't seen it. And and it's yeah. tough to play at Arrowhead, particularly in the playoffs when it's cold and those fans are going absolutely nuts. But he's always had that advantage. And That's, he's earned. Yeah, gosh, that pisses me off, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I just felt the same way about the Patriots and stuff. When you see teams that are just so good for so long, you, you just want them to change. Like, can we please? Like, it makes me so happy to see the New England Patriots suck so bad right now. Like, it make it brings me so much joy as an AFC team that, honestly, I felt that if it weren't for the Patriots, the Steelers would have won a couple more Super Bowls during that time period. But go ahead, Rob. Think about that. Tom Brady has played road playoff games. The greatest winning dynasty and winning machine that we've ever seen in the NFL has played many road playoff games. Patrick Mahomes is in year, what, six as yeah. a starting quarterback, and he's never even played a single road playoff game, let alone won one? Maybe this is the year, and if there's a team that's going to do it, unfortunately, and it makes me sick to my stomach to say this, it might be the Baltimore Ravens. So the Baltimore Ravens, they on Sunday Night Football go across country to the L.A. Chargers, and here I am as a Steeler fan, stupid Steeler fan, thinking maybe the Chargers can find a way to, to not charger this thing up. Maybe <laughs> they could not be the Brandon Staley Chargers. Maybe Justin Herbert and Khalil Mack and this cast of characters, which is actually a pretty marquee group, can find a way. No. They lose 20 to 10. Ravens go to 9 and 3. And all the Chargers fans are up in arms because of the could have been roughing, I guess, on Justin Herbert along the sideline that wasn't called. The Ravens are saying they benefited from a lot of calls. The Ravens were just a better team. You watch this game. I don't care if you just watch five minutes. You watch it and you're like, well, that team that's wearing the white jerseys, they are a lot better. And Chargers are going to charge her, right, Rob? And I tweeted after the Bills-Eagles game that the Bills really chargered the end of that game. Because, <laughs> I mean, the Chargers do it all the time. And, like, you can talk about the penalties they weren't made or whatever, but it's there for you, right? Because Justin Tucker actually misses a field goal, which like never even happens. It's a, it's a seven point game. There's three minutes and two seconds left. It's a 44 yard field goal. So not even like a crazy long field goal and Justin Tucker misses it. And there it is for the chargers, right? You are the worst team, but you you're at home. You have the ball two minutes and 57 seconds left on your 34 yard line with your quarterback. You're ready to go, right? This is the time when you have to go down the field and at least get a field goal to tie the game, if not a touchdown. And what do the Chargers do? They start out okay, right? They give you, they do enough to give you hope. And then they <laughs> step all over your heart by turning the ball over on downs, fourth and six. And Justin Herbert basically can't even get a real pass attempt off, ends up getting an intentional grounding. And that was the end because Baltimore scored three plays later to make it a 10-point game. And it was all over with the shouting. But, like, it was there. The Chargers are always good enough to be there in the end. Always, always, always. And they always blow it. And I don't know if it's Brandon Staley. I don't know if it's Justin Herbert. It's probably a combination of the two, although I still think Justin Herbert is really, really good. But it's comical how consistently. they're Like, the Chargers are as consistently bad at this as the Chiefs are at winning. Yeah. That's a good, that's a total antithesis. That's good. I saw there was one series. The Ravens had been just driving the ball. They weren't putting points on the board, but they were just always moving the ball, getting first downs. The defense is on the field for a bunch. And so finally they forced the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson gets called for intentional grounding. They eventually have to punt. So the Chargers get the ball back roughly around the 20 yard line. And Brandon Staley decides, let's go hurry up. I'm talking like 
we're not talking about any substitutions. They are literally on the ball as if it's a two-minute warning and they have no timeouts left. That three and out took 15 seconds and their defense is right back out there. And I'm like, holy crap. And they did it more than once. It's just, that's got to be infuriating for them and the defense that's been spending all that time out there trying to keep this high-powered Ravens offense off the board. This Chargers team, you know, you talk about a lot of disappointing teams. Like I would think the Bills would be a disappointing team for a lot of people. This Chargers team has to be up there. And, and Brandon Staley's days are numbered. I think we know He's that. Gotta go. He has to. It's, it's been happening, and I know it happened before him, too. Like, that's fair. Yeah. But it's also happening with him. And, like, Frank Reich gets fired in less than a year, and Brandon Staley gets another shot with Justin Herbert. He gets to waste another year of Justin Herbert's career. You know, it is amazing to me. But this has happened with the Chargers before. We have seen the Chargers have Hall of Fame quarterbacks and not be able to get a championship. It happened with Dan Fouts. It happened with Phillip Rivers. And it's happening again with Justin Herbert. It is stunning to me how the Chargers are able to do the hardest part of the job as an NFL organization, which is find the quarterback. And they did it three times. And they had Drew Brees, if you want to throw him in there, too. And they have nothing to show for it. It's stunning. It's stunning. Let's talk about the Ravens, though, because they are 9-3. and They get the job done. Going across country is never easy. Mm -hmm. Now, they do have a bye week coming up. The the Ravens have not had a bye week, so they're 9-3, and sitting atop the conference. What do they have coming up? Well, we talked about the Rams going to Baltimore. They still have the Jaguars, 49ers, Dolphins, and the Steelers to finish out the regular season. If the Ravens get the number one seed, damn, they will have earned it because that is not an easy slate of games. Uh, But your 49ers are on that list. That's going to be a tough slate for the Ravens to finish out the year. Yeah, great. Can't wait for the Ravens to ruin my Christmas when they play the 49ers on Christmas. Is it uh, on Christmas? It is. Oh, that's a sin. Uh, that's a sin. I should not happen. looking forward to that game, but at least it's the late game. So again, I can still do all the Christmas stuff, but, but uh, Baltimore is really good. I love John Harbaugh. To me, they have a coach that is, that is willing to do unconventional things. He's willing to go. They have such a weapon in Lamar Jackson and they fully realize it. They realize how he challenges defense. We saw it in this game at the end of the game when the Chargers turn it over on downs and Baltimore has a chance to close it out and they just do the mesh point with Lamar and defenses are so paralyzed. Even if he doesn't have the ball, they still have to respect it. And instead, they give the ball to Zay Flowers and he runs 37 yards for a touchdown basically untouched because that's the bind that Lamar Jackson puts you in. The Ravens are, they've got some pieces now. I know they, they lost Mark Andrews, which stinks, but they've got some pieces and they are going to be a very, very tough team to deal with, regardless of whether they're the number one seed or not. It's amazing as a Steeler fan and the Steelers are so used to dealing with Lamar Jackson in this offense. And when you watch these AFC North games, the Ravens rarely ever put up a lot of points. It's very like low scoring because they TJ Watt hits Lamar Jackson every play. If he has the ball in his hands, he's going to hit him. If he gives it away, he's a runner. I'm going to hit him. Mm-hmm. And so Lamar doesn't want to hold the ball too much. But these other teams, they don't know how to necessarily play against this offense. The Steelers and the and the Bengals and the Browns do it twice a year. And so it's definitely different uh, in terms of how those look. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this AFC plays out. It seems like it's wide open, but it looks like the Chiefs have the inside edge for sure. I completely agree with you, but, you know, sign me up. We get a Baltimore-Kansas City AFC Championship game? Yes, please. I would love to see that. Yeah, as an AFC guy, no, no, I'm going to pass. Understand. (laughs) All right, Rob, that's been a a good show. Any final thoughts on this week of action? Um, No, I just, 
I think that we are now, I love this part of the season because the games are so much more significant and it's so much easier to see the ramifications of the games. Like obviously the games earlier in the year count, but we don't know what it's all going to mean when it shakes out. Well, now it's shaking out. And so yeah. now we're we're in the middle of it. Now we have a game like Niners Eagles on Sunday. That's going to be so much fun. I haven't even looked at the slate for next week because I was just so locked in on this Thanksgiving week. Let me look really quickly. We got Dallas Seattle on Thursday. Okay. Fantastic. That'll be fun. And I'll, of course, as a Niner fan, have a stake in that. That's an excellent game. Denver Houston. How much fun is that going to be in the early window at one o'clock? Mm-hmm. Sign me up for that. Uh, let's see. Cleveland and the Rams. Eh. Niners Philly. That's great in the late window. Kansas City Green Bay is going to be interesting. Obviously, that's important for Kansas City. Baltimore, uh, excuse me, Cincinnati and Jacksonville on Monday. So we got some good games, even though there are some good teams on a bye this week. How dare you not put Pittsburgh, Arizona on your list of marquee matchups? Like that's no. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Hard pass on that one. That, thank, that's a red zone game. I don't want to. Tell me when they're in the red zone. Tell me if anything cool happens. Otherwise, I don't need to spend a second of my life on it. That's if the red zone doesn't get cleared out for a fire or whatever <laughs> happened. <laughs> that was crazy. So there was some sort of alarm for anyone that yeah. doesn't know in the red zone studio. And they everybody had to evacuate. And like I've so I used to produce shows at NBC and they would do fire drills and stuff during our show. And they'd be like, you have to leave. And I would be like, no, we're on the air. We're not leaving for a fire drill. But I don't know what the emergency was, but they kicked everybody out. So they just left it on Bill's Eagles, I believe. Is what that's a good call. Happening. That's a good call, though. If you're going to leave it on a game, leave it on Bill's Eagles. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised Scott Hansen wasn't outside with like some type of teleprompter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Still there. Uh, yeah, we're not stopping. All right, uh, Rob, good stuff as always. Tell everyone where they can find your 49ers coverage as well as on social media. Sure. I am at all the socials at Stats on Fire. And if you want our 49ers coverage, we are the gold standard 49ers podcast network. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. We're on the socials at GSN49ers. Please follow us. I promise you, you will be a better, smarter fan if you do. There you go. You can follow all my work on the Steel Curtain Network for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you check out all of our Fans First Sports Network NFL podcasts by just searching FFSN NFL. Uh, and obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Rob, thanks for another week. We'll talk next week. Take it easy. Bye, Jeff. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 